And here we are, late night, quick solo recording before the divisional playoffs kick off tomorrow. And what a first week of wildcard in the NFL playoffs it was. A couple of upsets, a couple of things that people didn't expect to see. Um, some pressure certainly applied to a couple of big names, teams and coaches, including both the NFC East teams and the Cowboys and Philadelphia. And within those results, also some more news and updates on the coaching cycle of the NFL so let's jump straight into it to get this out so you can get some of this into your ears before things kick off tomorrow. Uh, wrapping up wildcard round, the Browns. The golden run with Flacco, it is over. 45-14, to 14, the Texans. Oh, man, I can't say I saw that one coming. Uh, we both liked the Texans but thought with the injuries and how young they are and to get to where they did, they pretty much had overachieved but they found another gear at home against the Ravens and Flacco and early doors. It was a bit of a back-and-forth shootout. Neither team could stop each other, and then it was just two huge offensive plays by the Texans close to halftime. That Brevin Jordan fake tight end block that turned into a 76-yarder, and then CJ Stroud second and 20 off the back foot just drops one in the bucket. That two-score lead applies that pressure to the Browns to have to chase points and you know, their, their, their defense, which has been the strong point, was actually the disappointing one in this game. And some may put it back on Flacco, but when you're chasing points, you've got to throw the ball. And, um, you know, the one pick was a miscommunication. The second one, when the clips come out afterwards of the NFL mic'd up, was excellent by D'Amico Ryan's coaching up Christian Harris to cut that route. And two pick sixes in the third quarter just blew it out. And, man, this team and this coach, they just continue to impress. And, more and more and more, you just look at it now and go, wow, what a move. Getting CJ Stroud, not moving, settling out of the two and all the talk between him and Bryce Young, hiring D'Amico Ryans, getting the most out of guys like a Harris, like I just mentioned, who was a third-round pick, a year off an injury, Nico Collins, a couple of these veterans, but building a good defense. And then you've got a franchise quarterback in CJ Stroud, who 16 of 21, three touchdowns, just ice cold. Um, and his connection with Harris in particular. Or Nico Collins, sorry, was just mint. So, uh, for the Browns, disappointing. But what a year, considering the injuries, the trials and tribulations for Stefanski and his team. Your big question now, I guess, is can they keep it on track next year? Deshaun Watson, with all that guaranteed money, clearly has to be the man moving forward. Can he deliver? Because so far, Browns fans, I'm sure, are very disappointed with the return on the investment for the large guaranteed contract. And Nick Chubb, does he come back healthy? Because you've put him in with a Watson playing at a semi-decent level with that defense, which has still got a lot of guys um, on it, you know, that are young. And on rookie contracts, they're going to have a couple of guys off in free agency-wise. This window could still be open. But the Flacco dream um, possibly over. Do they sign and be a backup again? Who knows? But I think if he wants to play, given what he's delivered in that last bit there, I'm sure there'll be some teams interested either as a bridge or a backup. But the Texans move on. And roll forward. Kansas City Dolphins, this one didn't really surprise. It wasn't a pretty game, but they controlled it the whole way. In the conditions, they moved the football. Like the Dolphins only had one drive there really, where things really worked out with that Tyreek 50-plus yard play. Other than that, Tua, he struggled in the weather. They struggled to get open. They couldn't run the ball. 35 minutes to 25 minutes of control. Kansas City rolled pretty well and, and played the conditions pretty well despite their offensive struggles. And the biggest difference was they were five of six um, in the red zone, I guess. And 
a lot of field goals again. The offense wasn't firing on all cylinders, but when it mattered, they moved the ball downfield. They were effective with the run. Mahomes scrambled effectively multiple times when he needed to. Rushy Rice turned up big. Kelsey made some solid catches to get some third down completions, and their defensive front was great. They just absolutely stuffed the Dolphins. They got some sacks. They applied some pressure. And for the Dolphins, I guess, to, to close out the year, the disappointment again, one and five against playoff teams, first week loss in this sort of weather, and the question marks continue. Can they win outside of Miami, and can they take down a big dog? Um, you know, and do you pay tour? Because as effective as Mike McDonald has been and this you know track team sort of offense, you, you can give a little bit of credence to losing all those players on defense like Chubb, Van Ginkle, Baker, Xavier Howard, like Wilkins went off for a little bit there. Um, they got better as the year went on. But this offense with Tua, can it progress? Is it too much rhythm and timing? Do people have too much video now? Are they too Tyreek reliant? Um, you know, that running game is obviously good, but if they have to go on the road this time of year, which outside of a dome or their own stadium is generally going to be cold or outdoors, can they win? And that is the big question. So, you know, picks, they've traded a fair few away. They've got their first and second rounder. They've got 42 million in cap space. But the big decision, obviously, is that fifth-year option on tour. They've obviously got that. I'm pretty sure they've taken it. Uh, But where they go from here, they're probably not in a position draft-wise to pick somebody up. But this year coming is a big year for the Dolphins, decision-wise. And if they can expand on that offense and become better on defense and not look like a team that can only win playing in good weather. Packers-Cowboys, man. When this got to 27-0, I just was absolutely baffled and blown away. But what, what can you say? Um, I mean, Brock previewed this. He, he was not so confident in Green Bay. I sort of brought up the fact that I thought the line was a bit disrespectful and I wouldn't, wasn't sure if they could win, but I thought they'd give a good account of themselves. But never could I have predicted this. This was something else, 27-zip. They shredded them on the ground. Love, again, as a passer. You felt looking at the scoreboard, maybe he threw more, but similar to CJ Stroud, just well-measured and very good when he did throw. I think he threw 21 times, three TDs, very similar numbers to that of CJ Stroud. But the balance they found with Aaron Jones back in the lineup, the confidence of Love in the last eight to nine weeks, like his touchdown-interception ratio, the way he's seeing things, um, man, and they're the youngest offense in the league. That's the scary part. Wicks, Reed. Watson, Kraft, like Tucker, like the guys they found through the draft and in late picks, mixed in, what we've said before, with like some cap space and decisions to make there. And, you know, I know their defense has been disappointing. We've talked about that time and time again. They certainly turn up with a plan in this one, especially the back end, the, the pick six and a couple of the plays they made there were very, very good. But their front, their front's no doubt very good. They stuffed the run. Cowboys couldn't get nothing going on the ground and they had to abandon the run because they were so far behind. But if I'm a Green Bay fan, I'd be very excited. If you get things right here with the way they've been drafting, um, get more talent, like I said, if you can get maybe one true number one to go with this group or out of this group, they might have multiple number ones. Um, but with Jones there bringing that balance, I guess if they can just fix some of the holes on defense and tighten up the O-line again, which has been good, but it's getting a bit older, this could be a real window of opening for the next two or three years for the Green Bay Packers and the development of Love and LaFleur as a pairing at the back end here with Jones coming back in as well. Man, there's some good signs. And again, I can't see them beating the 49ers, but I certainly think they could give more trouble 
um, than what people predict, and especially if they find that balance again between run and pass. But for the Cowboys, another year, another loss first up in the playoffs. Their record over the past 15, 20 years or so of being one and done or not making it to a championship game has been poor. It's three 12-win seasons in a row. For McCarthy, there's questions about him, questions about Quinn and the way they defended. But I still think if you look a little bit inward, like are they doing the right thing as an ownership group and Jerry and that side of things? Like you can change your coaches, you can change everything, but why did you lose? Like, I, don't, I don't think it was just coaching. I think there's a few guys that are probably a bit long on the tooth on that offensive line that aren't as good as what they were originally, that they're probably getting overpaid. Paying guys like Demarcus Lawrence and, you know, Van Der Esch has been injured. I know he, like he's been injured and out this year, but there's probably a few people there money-wise and team-wise that they probably need to make some decisions in that regard. They've made some very good ones, like drafting CD when they probably could have gone elsewhere. Um, you know, picking up Gilmore on a cheap deal, getting Cooks in a trade that sort of enhanced their offense. But the decision for Pollard, not having a decent pairing at running back like a power back, putting it all on him. Their, their run game was non-existent this year. A couple of over-inflated contracts, like we said, defensively, that showed up. And then your big decision is probably Dak. I think Dak's a very good quarterback. Quarterbacks are hard to come by. But what's he going to cost you moving forward and are you willing to pay? If he's going to be a top-tier quarterback paid at the premium price and a four- or five-year contract with an absolute bucket load of guaranteed money, can you win moving forward? Or do you need to get better at that position? And again, it's the hardest position to get better at. Draft, trading, free agency. It's uh, it's one of the toughest sports, the NFL, in, in terms of getting access to a quarterback. But for them, I think it's going to be a real question asked that can they pay the top dollar for him in a salary cap league in the position they're in and win moving forward. But Dan Quinn, I don't think is going to be there regardless of questions after the last few years about one minute was he was going to take over. Now it's after the way the year ended, he should be fired, but he's linked to multiple jobs. I don't think he'll be there. It looks like they've come out now and essentially said that McCarthy's going to be there after three 12 win seasons after Lynx instantly went to a Bill Belichick. Um, but I, again, I, I think it's a combination. It's not just coaching. I think there's some personnel decisions, and Jerry Jones and the family need to get out of their own way a little bit and maybe make some harsh decisions and, and work with others and make some decisions for the betterment. Like Pollard's not going to get paid. I don't think he's going to get tagged again. But they think about bringing somebody else in to work with him, much like they probably should have done with Zeke. Zeke at the back end was really, really good for the Patriots. Could they get him back somehow? in a reunion if they get value for money to have a tandem in your backfield and try and enhance what they got out of Pollard like the year before I don't know um, but that and a couple of overinflated contracts maybe some reworking that offensive line That there's a few moves that can definitely be made but Green Bay fans be excited be very excited um, but yeah Cowboys Mike is due for a deal CD's going to have to get paid top 5 money you're talking 25-30 million Dollars like they've got a lot of decisions coming and their salary cap's about to get out of whack, so they've got some hard decisions to make. Lions Rams, so I think this was the best one of the week. I could go through all the details and the back and forth, this, that, and the other, but the biggest difference in this game is red zone. And McVeigh summed that up. The Rams were 0 3 in the red zone, they had their opportunities, they probably lent into things a little bit cup heavy, um, but yeah, if you don't convert down there. That's where the game's won or lost. And for the Lions, they come out with a point to prove. The atmosphere was awesome. Um, Goff was great, linking up with Reynolds, 2X Rams, pushing the ball downfield. 
that duo, when we talk about duos or running backs between Montgomery and Gibbs coming up big, Stafford obviously responds after they go down two scores. The Puka play, he had the 30-plus yarder with Atwell, 21-7.5. It was very, very tight. He got his hand smashed and was bleeding. They had multiple other issues and injuries during the game, but right down to the wire. Um, great season. I think they well and truly overachieved, and with things tightening up and it coming down to field goals, um, yeah, those red zone conversions like we talked about turned out to be the difference. But, yeah, for the Rams and McVay, Kyron Williams in the fifth round, Puka in the fifth round, pairing that with Cup, how much longer a staff had got left. I know Donald's on big money, but... They're sort of coming out of a rough spot here where they've had maybe a mini rebuild. They're probably five or six starters short of where they need to be, but um, after cashing in and having to pay the piper, they've offloaded Ramsey in a couple of pieces, almost $50 million in cap space. They've got their first, second, third, couple of fifths and a lot of six. So, again, if they can find some value in the draft again with good planning, they, they could kind of retool and maybe pick up a couple of guys to stitch this team together, but... Um, offensively, yeah, a couple of receivers, a running back, Stafford. If you can prove on defense and your own line, and maybe an upgrade at a spot like tight end, like Higby's ACL from the Kirby hit was that was awful to watch. But um, credit to the Lamb, uh, the Rams, and what they've done, McVay, and this organization, Les Snead, um, and everyone there, because I didn't see this happening with the way they spent the money and traded. But for the Lions, similar deal. Brad Holmes, former Ram, goes over there. The way they have drafted. The moves like for Branch and Campbell and taking Gibbs and going against the grain with what people say about running backs now. Laporta, the previous year's draft, like everything they've done the last couple of years, they've just hit gold. Um, trading for golf and what he's delivered and the direction that this team's gone and both their coordinators are up. And then Dan Campbell just running this program. For being the guy that everyone remembers basically is just a big meathead as an interim at the Dolphins to watch him on hard knocks. Like he, he's really taken this and made it what it is, and the Lions have a window here. Similar deal, I think, moving forward. Um, but if they keep making smart decisions the next year or two, despite some contracts coming up, the window is probably open to be very successful and right up there challenging the next year or two. But what a result at home, and it's funny how things work out. We talked about how costly that Cowboys result was and the issue afterwards, and was it the right call, was it the wrong call, or their Rob Bull, the Cowboys go out in disastrous fashion and then put the Lions back on the path of having home playoffs up until the championship came. So now home this week uh, with the Bucks coming in, it's no pushover, but they certainly feel it would be better having a rocking house in Detroit again before the possibility of playing an NFC championship game. But yeah, what a result for them. Bill Steelers. Uh, man, this wasn't, wasn't the greatest game. It snowed hard. Um, Pittsburgh though pretty used to those sort of cold conditions but no TJ Watt run game third downs weren't the greatest like coming into it you know you can't make errors and basically the difference was the two errors the pickens fumble turns into seven points uh, the, the pick in the red zone which should have been seven points turns into points the other way it was 21 nil to start with I know they did well to fight their way back in but end of the day let's be honest this Steelers team in the form that it's in and the quarterback and the pieces that were there, that they weren't a threat. They've overachieved again, but I guess the question is every single year they keep getting to the same point. They keep having a winning record. They keep sneaking in the wild card, but they keep getting beat. First playoff game and eliminated. And Mike Tomlin obviously wasn't happy afterwards with the questions around his future um, and a little bit frustrated. And I, I don't see why you'd move on from Mike Tomlin. I think if anything, 
like I said before, Big Ben played for a little bit long. They had some money tied up in a couple of older guys. Um, they haven't drafted as well in other positions besides wide receiver. They always seem to find value. But you're looking at this now and going, if they can get a good quarterback, whether that be free agency or draft, and maybe clean up a little bit on both sides of the ball with some money and some contracts... You know, they've probably got a good duo there with Najee. Um, if you don't take his fifth-year option and get him on good value with Warren, Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Fryermuth. So, you know, quarterback and a couple of pieces on DNO, you're right back in the mix. But the biggest one, again, is quarterback. They've been meteoric quarterback now for four or five years. And I don't know how that's going to change with how deep they've gone here and if they could find someone. But why that situation is what it is, it's not going to get any better. But... You know, the Bills, to find their way back in. Allen, the way he played, using his legs, long, sustained drives, you know, his connection with Kincaid, found Knox, as he does so often in the red zone, the plays they made, and um, Shakir late. There was some poor tack on there for his one to blow it back out to 31-17, to and, and they're rolling on again. One minute they're looking outside in, like they're gone skis. Next minute, they're the two seed with a home game. And now they've got a home playoff against the Chiefs who they've had some epic battles against. So can't wait to watch them play again. Allen versus Mahomes has just been awesome. But uh, the Steelers, like we said, what can they do in terms of cap space? Like, you know, this offseason, they've got their draft pick, but it's like pick 20. They've got their second, their third. Could they find some value again? Maybe. But, yeah, they've got $73 million tied up alone in TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Haywood with no quarterback. So that on three defensive pieces rather than, say, a $30, $40 million quarterback, you think the balance of their salary cap's probably a little bit out. Um, going through that now, well, that's five games. The last one I got here, sorry, with my poor handwriting, was the Bucks Fillion. Called this one last week, and again, between me and Brock, like he... Thought Lions were going to bulldoze Rams. I thought Rams had a chance. Obviously, the Lions ended up winning with a close one, but I was very confident at the Bucks. And if anything, this should have been uglier. It really should have. Evans dropped one cold in the red zone, wide open, with an absolute dime from Baker. And there was another one that I can't think of right now off the top of my head. But the fact it was 32-9 in the end, um, Philly basically looked completely out of it. Uh, bar that one late touchdown they got, and then the momentum swing again to drop the hammer straight on the head when they go for the two-point conversion and get stuffed for like the first time this season. Um, yeah, they, they were awful. They really were. They got so much to address. Sirianni's coaching has been under fire. The players have obviously come to defend him, but like they have done in the past, there's apparently a meeting this week with the owner, Jeff Lurie and Harry Roseman. Doug Peterson went through something similar when they didn't like what they heard. They moved on. Um, and while the Cowboys' door may have closed, if there's one thing that's pretty obvious, I think, here, they've got good offensive pieces. They've got a quarterback. Swift, if he could come back on a reasonable deal, they find someone. That's a very open market, the running back market. Bill Belichick here can fix the two big problems that they have, which was secondary and linebackers, those two sort of core groups. Their lines are both very, very good. Oh, and If they do move on, this is the team now that I'm sort of looking at if I'm Belichick and them and going, well... If we think this window is open and we think he can get value there, seeing what he does with late-round picks and guys with the scrap heap in those two spots, maybe this is a situation they look at. Or again, is it a variable job? I don't know. Um, but yeah, Sirianni, under a bit of pressure, but good on Baker. To being out of the league and basically cursed from a number one pick 
to his time at the Panthers, been completely broken to a bit of a little confidence boost with McVeigh and the Rams into this job to take this team into the playoffs and play the way he has all year. Um, he's been great. And again, put himself in a position where I think he could be a good bridge or good value for multiple teams looking for someone or for the Bucks in the spot they're at. They're, they're going to be late in the draft now. They've got no one really in reserve. If you can agree on money being reasonable, nothing too crazy, but you know, obviously with what he's delivered, you're not going to get out it for less than 20, maybe 25 million, two years, like fully guaranteed, something that's sort of locked in. Um, Evans, you know, they didn't want to pay him. He's had a huge year. He's going to be up for a big deal. Some decisions to make on D with Devin White and some guys like that coming off, but man, their run D and their front absolutely killed Philly. They never got going. They got Hurts for a safety. Um, they got him scrambling for his life. Their secondary with Anton Winfield and the guys there underrated. They do a really good job. And, you know, even Rashad White, they're one of the worst running teams in the league, but they ran the ball, which shows where Philly ended up at the back end of the year. And, um, Philly got some huge decisions around some big veterans. Kelsey, everyone's assuming he's retired. He's pretty much addressed that he hasn't and he didn't want to in that moment take away. Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, they've got some big decisions to make. Um, and a lot of older guys there, but the Bucks, man, just look out. That, that game with the Lions, I don't think it's no pushover. I like the Lions, but yeah, I don't think the Bucks will go quietly into the night. They can move the ball. And Otten's been underrated as another player that he's got to. Trey Palmer, the late pick they got this year in the draft. There's been some underrated moves, but uh, you talk about Fred, see what I could have said in these teams with quarterbacks, like Mayfield's value's gone through the roof. I think a lot of teams will look at a Jake Browning after what he did at the back end there with the Bengals. He might be 28, but again, with what's available, Minshew's done himself no harm. I haven't looked at his contract per se, but in terms of a bridge or a winning backup, plenty will be interested with him. I'm sure the Colts will want to keep him to back up. Uh, Richardson with the way and the style he plays. And then the other guy is Kirk Cousins, who today comes out and says, like, who you'd be crazy to knock back a chance if it came about to work with Bill Belichick. So why in one sense he said... It's no longer about the money and he's happy where he is and he's comfortable at Minnesota, so they might be able to come up with a good deal for a lot less that fits their salary cap. It sounds like if Bill Belichick lands at Atlanta with a pretty good defense and some offensive weapons on rookie contracts, needing a quarterback, that maybe Cousins is available for Bill Belichick if he wants him. And that would be a huge upgrade on Heineke and Ritter and what they've got there. So if I'm a Falcons fan today reading that quote and hearing that he's had a second interview and what he could do with defense, I have my fingers, toes, and eyes crossed right now that Bill Belichick gets hired. We pick up someone like Kirk Cousins on, you know, guaranteed money, but a lot less than what he was on, maybe $25 million for a year. And you've got Bijan, Algier, Corderell, Drake, London, and all the guys they've got on offense. Their line's good. Defense, he will certainly enhance and see what you can do. But... Yeah, some of those names that are available, hearing that quote today and looking at the interviewing cycle, man, that's pretty big. That is very big. Um, but yeah, the flip of that is, obviously that team would have said Philly. Um, those decisions on some veterans, Shaq, Morrow, they've, most of the other deals are older in depth, but coaching reshape, they've got 28 million in cap space. Their first round are two seconds, a third, so they're going to be able to make some good early picks if they get things right. But certainly it looks like they need to review what they're doing. But in wrapping that up from the week one and looking at the divisionals after the wild cards, our matchups now, the one is the Ravens up against the Texans, which is tomorrow morning, 8.30. Um, and the odds in this one, 
the Ravens they're a dollar twenty five. The Texans four dollars. Big odds there if you like the outsider. It's actually now gone to four sixty and nine and a half starts. So a lot of people think obviously the Texans run will come to a close. You're talking about a team. Um, you've got the quarterback with the best touchdown interception ratio, so they take care of the ball. They're a top five run defense, which they're certainly going to need to stop Lamar. He gets them out of trouble on a lot of third downs, works well with their running back core. Um, so those two things are going to be fundamental to them to be efficient and safe with the ball against the defense that has the most takeaways, the least amount of points, the best red zone efficiency, and the most sacks, and the best rushing attack. So a bit of fire and ice here. They've got sort of the weapons to combat it, but for the Texans... Playing at Baltimore, going to have to be tidy on defense, not let Lamar get outside the pocket and try and make them pass more than run. If they get the run going and the way they defend, uh, big test for CJ Stroud in this group. I think the run comes to an end, but I don't agree with the 460 and the 9.5. I think it's probably a touchdown game at best and they'll be very competitive. But I'll go with the Ravens there. And the other AFC matchup, which is on Monday morning at 1030 Bills Chiefs, um, that rematch between these two teams, absolute classics. But at the moment, the Bills are a dollar sixty-five. The Chiefs two dollars twenty-five. Um, you know, again, cold doesn't affect either team. They both play in that. It's in Buffalo. Um, this is that old question where you look at it and the way the Bills run the ball, they run defense. Um, oh, sorry, the way they run using Allen in particular, who's really tough to deal with up against the second-ranked run defense. Well, sorry, pass defense, they're second in. So you can run the ball um, on KC, which is the real question. If, if they can't shut down the run, Cook, who's been better at the back end, and Allen, who's just like just a monster truck with a rocket cannon for an arm. You get him caught, escapes with his legs, he tries to truck people, he makes plays. But if they can't contain him in particular, despite the conditions, with the way their offense has been this year, KC... Uh, they've leaned heavily into their defense. But on the flip of that, they showed last week a way to grind it out with their defense. Their front, Jones, Karloftis, good pressures. They cover well on the back end. Uh, maybe if they can keep them in the pocket and make them play the pass, they might be able to contain things. But for the Bills, I think your biggest worry is the amount of questionables. And they've already got a couple of outs on defense, like Bernard's still under a question mark. Rasul Douglas is under a question mark. They lost a few more guys last week. If they lose much more on that side of the ball, this is going to be a very even game, but... Man, I'm leaning towards the Bills, mainly on the home advantage, but I've got this feeling about the Chiefs. Despite how bad the year has gone, I don't know what it is, but there's something in me that just... I have a feeling about the Chiefs somehow finding a way to win this game, but um, the record as it stands right now, Allen, 3-1 in the regular season against Mahomes, but in the playoffs, 0-2. So maybe it's a little bit of that, but... Yeah, Chiefs certainly still got a lot they can clean up on, but they showed last week Buck is a great kicker in the cold. They got down to the red zone. They found balance in their game. Mahomes scrambled when he needed to, but yeah, if there's injuries on the Bills' side and they can contain Allen, this might be one they can eke out to get through. So off those predictions, though, if we get what I'm thinking, you're going to have Ravens-Bills at Baltimore for the AFC Championship. But let's jump to the NFC now. 49ers, the one versus the seven, the Packers, the first seven to get through. 49ers, $1.20, the Packers, $4.45 at this point in time. So, bookies again, not overly confident, but I don't agree with those odds. I don't agree with the nine and a half. I think you could stretch that to ten and a half or fourteen and a half and still get a dollar fifty if you wanted. We've seen that they can score, they've been balanced on both sides of the ball. 
Um, if they keep that run-pass balance now, they've got Jones back in it and their defense turns up like they did last week, especially the back end, this could be a bit more competitive than what we think. But the 49ers, we know what you need to do with them. Their front versus Greenbacker, uh, Green Bay. You know, first in the rushing yards, they're top five in the passing offense. They've got the most yards in the league. I think they're second most points. They're good in all facets there. But as we've seen across the year, if you can apply scoreboard pressure and make them chase, which the Packers have certainly not scored, struggled to score points in recent times, could be more interesting. But your big worry, I guess, is exactly that. Um, this defense is pretty good, especially the front and the linebacking core. Secondary man-to-man, it's probably a bit harder, which is why I have confidence the Packers can score some points because it's just very hard, bar probably to Javius Ward, to cover Reed and a Wicks and a Watson. Like they've got multiple weapons, so it's, it's pretty hard to match up. Um, but the 49ers at home, chips in after the disappointment the last few years, I think they have to get it done. So I'm on the 49ers in a big way. The rest from McCaffrey, Kittle, a lot of these guys would have been huge. Trent Williams, they should be absolutely buzzing and finish the job there to make the NFC Championship. And the flip side, Bucks lions The Lions $1.35. The Bucks $3.30 heading into Detroit. Again, I don't think it's a pushover. Monday, 7 a.m. this one. Um, but you're looking at the Bucks. Their run game, like I said, is not the greatest, but their rush D is. They're up against two really, really good running backs. They're going to have to make sure they do a good job. The Lions are a top five offense. No surprise. They're well balanced. They run the ball effectively with Montgomery. Gibbs has got running and catching ability. You've got Jamison Williams, who's coming to the fore a bit more. Laporta, despite the knee. Omen Ra's so reliable. Goff's been good, just dealing the ball. Um, so from that side of things, I guess it's more can their front stop the run game. If they get going there and find that balance, they're going to be very hard to stop in their defense. Second best run day in the league. So it's going to be all on Bucks and Baker to move the ball up. They've done with the pass and see if they can get up against this secondary, which is 27th in pass defense. They've been pretty good in the red zone and they were pretty good last week. But against Evans, Goldwyn, Otten, um, that, that's probably a big matchup there. But I'm going to go the Lions to make the NFC Championship. And again, if you go off that pick, 49ers, Lions, the one versus three next week at Levi's. So Lions, like I said, um, if they get to that point and win here, regardless, it's been a good year. It's been a good building period. Almost $70 million in cap space. No big free agents. They've got their first, second, two-thirds. Holmes has done a great job drafting. Campbell's done a great job developing. You have to say, the further they go here, regardless, they're in a really good position, cap and situation-wise, for the next year or two. 49ers, opposite, like we said, they traded a lot. They've got some good draft picks. They're going to have to probably rework some things, but Young and Chase and Gregory, Kindle guys they had in, having to pay Debo. Having to pay both, so Ayuk's going to be need to be paid sooner. They're going to have to trade in for picks. They're going to have to rework things a little bit, so I don't think there's a better opportunity than this year. But still got the feeling we're going to see Ravens 49ers, but time will tell. And off the back of those odds, just to round us out before we close out here, the coaching cycle. Seahawks obviously looking at candidates. Dan Quinn has been interviewed, as have multiple others. The Falcons... You're hearing that a second interview with Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick, a lot of people looking at that Bill Belichick situation, the talk around Kirk Cousins today and starting to draw comparisons. They've talked to multiple coaches like Ben Johnson, Elijah Rivera, Mike McDonald, Raheem Morris, Pierce, who's now being confirmed, Wilkes, Callahan, most of the O&D coordinators have been interviewed for all jobs. Carolina, people aren't still confident um, in terms of the top end. They're, they're not getting 
too many of those older veterans, they're getting a lot of younger coordinator types in for that job, which is probably more than likely where they're going to go. Um, you know, whether that's a Callahan from the Bengals or a Ben Johnson, but it's going to cost them a lot, or a Munkin or McDonald from the Ravens. But yeah, it's a risky job, that one. Uh, Las Vegas confirmed today. Pierce has done enough to take that job. So he's now in. He's the head coach. Players were calling it. There was talk that Max Crosby was going to request a trade if he wasn't in. The charges, which Belichick was linked to, but he hasn't done an interview. So interesting now hearing that. Um, then apparently they're going to meet with Jim Harbaugh for a second time. So between that and talking to Mike Vrabel and the same guys like your Munkins, your McDonald's, your Ben Johnsons, those O&D coordinators, starting to get the feeling more and more now that if they don't meet with Belichick at all, that their number one candidate would be Jim Harbaugh. But the Patriots, after all, they talk instantly hired Gerard Mayo. It surprised me. So clearly there was something in the background or works. It was agreed to last year to keep him there. Um, and he takes that job. It's going to be interesting to see. Never been outside the system. A linebacker's coach down to the head coach and trying to open the doors internally and reshuffle the staff and see what he can do. And a big decision with the draft this year. And the Titans... Looking at like they're, you know, they've been linked to multiple people, but similar deal. Bobby Slowick's got natural connections with Rand Carthon. He's one that's been linked to that job. They've talked to a lot of the coordinators as well. No Harbour, no Belichick. And the Washington Commanders, their list is a bit lighter at the moment. They're obviously looking to establish a brand new culture, but they've talked to Glenn and Johnson, the O&D coordinators for the Lions, Mike McDonald, the D coordinator, uh, Raheem Morris from the Rams, Dan Quinn. So at the moment... Uh, their list a bit lighter on a bit more selective for the direction they want to go with their future so um, yeah but two jobs are off the market Raiders going with Pierce Pat's going with Mayo internally but Atlanta very interesting second interview with Bill Belichick and then Kirk Cousins comments today is the one that a lot of people are looking at so keep our eyes on that coaching cycle I guess but these games what a week I know last week's score was probably weren't the most entertaining, but they were entertaining in the sense of the upsets and the situation and the emergence of a couple of teams that only, you know, six weeks ago weren't even in contention. Like, Texans weren't in the mix, let alone getting into the playoffs. Along with the Browns, who looked like shot ducks. The Packers lost three in a row after looking like they were on the up. The Bucks weren't in the mix. The Bills were outside of theirs and ended up with the second seed. So, um, for all those outsiders to find their ways into seeds and win the wild cards and get the week we've got here... Uh, it's worked out very well but now I think every single quarterback in the playoffs left over is a first round pick besides Brock Purdy so big day for him tomorrow a lot of the talk around that sometimes um, was brought up this week and about delivering so Love Lamar CJ Stroud Goff Baker Allen Mahomes, all first-round quarterbacks, and then you've got Mr. Relevant. So what a story that would be for him to win and move this team into the NFC Championship game. And what a hell of an opportunity to CJ up against Lamar, hell of a clash. Very young, up-and-coming team against the established Ravens. Bucks and Lions, two serial underdogs, and then the Allen-Mahomes clash. Like It's produced nothing but classics. So what a treat that that game um, is going to go ahead again. Because every time those two seem to come together, we just get an absolute bell ringer. But getting more and more excited now as we get closer to the end of this season with all the coaching news that's going on as well and then the potential Super Bowl matchup. But that's it for this week.
hopefully back together with Boxhead next week. Just hard this week around work and moving and trying to get some time together. Um, but yeah, only a couple of shows left and the big dance isn't far away. The Super Bowl, not far off at all. Divisionals. And then we have the championship games and then the Las Vegas Super Bowl. What a year it's been. But for everybody, enjoy your weekend and enjoy the games.